Welcome to the Tusker Sports Weekly, episode number 106, your one-stop shop for all things Husker sports. We are live on Twitter for this episode because today, Monday, November 28th, was a big day. Matt Rule introduced as the 31st head coach in Nebraska football program history. Press conference was today. We got to hear a lot of Trev Alberts, a lot of Matt Rule, and maybe hear a little bit of a glimpse into what is the future of Nebraska football with Matt Rule at the helm. So we will dive in to what he had to say today at the Hawks Championship Center. We'll talk a little bit more about Husker basketball, volleyball, all of that jazz, but the main focus of today's episode will be about Matt Rule and the direction of the Husker football program. But before any of that, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27. Hanson, not Hanson. Grant took the liberty upon himself to put it on the screen. There you go. Very smart. Yeah, those of you watching live, uh, E-N, not O-N. And the fun part about this, too, is you can actually go back to our Twitter page, Husker Weekly. That's right. And watch this again because it automatically records and stays up there. So we had a small sit-down with Bill Dolman earlier today. That was directly after the press conference. It was about 15 or so minutes I sat down with him while Grant was doing all this fancy writing stuff. And so you can go check that out. This rec- His recorded segment will be in this episode later on as well. So we will get to him and his thoughts on today's press conference as well. But let's get into this thing. So it was a lengthy press conference. Trev yeah. Albert started things off. He walked everybody through the process of what it was like to talk to 13 different 13. coaches we found out today. Yeah. Um, and how long that him and Matt Rule have been in contact um, and what that process was like. Never really had a doubt that Trev Alberts would do poorly in this process. Clearly not so far. Um, and it was really interesting to see him and Matt Rule almost spill the beans for lack of a better phrase on this whole entire coaching search. Because I, if we all learned one thing about this thing, Trev Alberts is damn good at keeping a secret. Yeah. Damn good at it. Yep. And he, and he worked remotely for a large portion. I, I think we at Husker Online, I think uh, either Sean or Sipple, I can't remember who, I think it might have been Sean, reported that you know that Trev had been working remotely for the last two weeks. And oddly enough, I feel like some of today's comments made me think that it could have been longer. Like, I would almost think... I think it was a lot longer so that was interesting uh the 13 coaches is interesting you know I don't, I don't know what i expected in terms of that number uh perhaps perhaps i don't know what i would have thought maybe eight Thir- 13 just for some reason seemed high to me but i think um yeah i think it's indicative of how broad this search truly was and so I think that's something that I think you got to be happy with, right? And, I, you know, I don't know. It is interesting, too, right? The other thing that came out of that opening statement from Travis, he says Matt was 1A. So that's interesting, too. That means that there is more than one. I would read two things out of that. There's more than one number one. Who would that have been? Fickle? Yeah, I think that might have been it, but you know that there's a number of things i don't think we'll ever fully know there and by the way if matt rule wasn't trev's number one candidate he would not have said like he wouldn't have said that (laughs) hi we got our number three guy we got number five on the list yeah that that would not have been that would not have been what he said so like you know you do have to dance around some of this stuff because again like inherently these sort of conferences are very much sometimes quite literally rah-rah sort of affairs, right? So you do have to see what sort of things you can, what sort of information you can glean from it, but at the same time you're taking things with a grain of salt. Yeah, and I found myself during the, the press conference actually already drinking the Kool-Aid, so I apologize for that. <laughs> I have since re- regained my consciousness. But hearing him talk about um, a lot of – you know, family-oriented things, things that he looked for with Trev and, and how they didn't know each other, obviously, personally before this entire uh, search happened and how he got to know Trev throughout the process. And one thing, and we talked about this with Bill Dolman, who you will hear from later in the episode, 
is that he said that, you know, expect to see him and his family in Lincoln. Expect to see them out and about in the Haymarket, going out to, you know, brunch or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. They're going to integrate themselves into the Lincoln community, yeah. which I thought was really, really cool. Um, and obviously kind of a polar opposite from the whole yep. Frost regime as well, is, is, is that has come up a lot on social media. I liked that about him. Um, I just liked the way that, you know, he spoke with passion, and you could tell he wants to be here. It's not for the money. He literally said he could be out on the golf course right now making the same amount of money as doing this. So he wants to be here. He loves developing young men into, you know, great leaders, great football players, obviously, but, you know, just great all-around human beings. And I think he put a big emphasis on that throughout the press conference, which I personally really liked to hear and was really impressed with. Kind of gave me Fitzgerald vibes there for a little bit um, as well, which I really liked. Yeah, that's interesting. I I think there's nothing inherently wrong with being a recluse, (laughs) so to speak, if you're a head coach. There's nothing, yeah, there's nothing Uh, wrong with it. No, but, you know, when you're losing, uh, you know, it helps to be present in the community, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that that's what they're going to do out of the gate. In fact, I don't think it is what they're going to do out of the gate. But that is definitely going to help him, I think. And leading with that is going to help him. And you, you know, the other thing, too, right? Like you see the pendulum swing back and forth when teams hire coaches. You hire an offensive coach. I guess Nebraska, the, kind of the one exception, really, is hiring Scott Frost right after Mike Riley because you went offense-offense in a lot of ways. Although, I don't know, like Riley was sort of milk toast in a lot of ways. Um, not beyond just you know offense defense. I I don't know if he really you could really put him in one category or another. I I think I would probably say offense just because of the conference he came from. But like I I think that to me is one of the more interesting parts of this whole deal is how Nebraska sort of does swing back and forth here on the pendulum to now a guy who is very trenches, very defense focused, and certainly more charismatic I would say than his predecessor yeah that was a nice little touch and I think it's funny that um Trev said that he didn't want his head coach to win the press conference well too late right granted that, that's that not just a bad kind of thing. happened yeah well it just kind of happened and I want to dive into Matt Rule's track record a little bit and I know that's what everybody's talking about but rightfully so went to Temple took over a Temple program that historically has not been very good and really isn't that great now. Um, He went to Baylor and inherited just what was essentially rock bottom for a program with the whole scandal going on there, and he took them from 1-11 to 11-1. And he's done that multiple times in multiple different locations. Obviously, the NFL career didn't really pan out as he would have liked to, but – the NFL is a completely different beast than the college game, and I think Matt Rule understands the college game a little bit more. I think he understands young men a little bit more than he does professional athletes. And I, I also thought an interesting point that he brought up today is he talked to, you know, when he was with the Panthers, he talked to guys like Amir Abdullah, former mm-hmm. Husker, and Christian McCaffrey, and he just displayed how he realized how different these two people are. They play the same sport, the same position, they all have the same goal. But when you really get to know these people as, as humans, you realize how different they are. And I think that goes a lot into what the college game is because you're coaching 18 to 22-year-olds. Well, at this point, like 18 to like 26-year-olds. Right. But yeah, that, they're, they're that all – That is something. Yeah. They're all from different backgrounds. They all have different stories, whether that's, you know, adversity-filled or not. But they're all here playing the same sport. They have the same, you know, goals and aspirations ahead of them. So how do you relate to them? And I think Matt Rule can do a really, really good job of that. And he doesn't want to just get them to the NFL. He wants to keep them in the NFL. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, as we get into the coming days, the December 5th deadline uh, with the transfer portal, or rather that just date being circled in general, and then you add in salaries. I I think that's the word. I think he literally said the word salary today, which is really interesting because I think – there is a very strong comparison, although it's definitely on a smaller scale, between managing salaries at an NFL level, big scale, 
versus the college level, smaller scale and name, image, and likeness. And so I think that's something that comes to mind immediately where I'm like, well, that's where his NFL experience can help. And that's where, you know, I think he'll be able to combine some of what he had to deal with or what he had to work through with the Carolina Panthers and then his previous knowledge of building programs and experiences, uh, you know, at the college level. So with that being said, I'm, I, I want to get this extremely early from you. Mm-hmm. Expectations for next year. Yeah, it's interesting. There's some people who are not very interested at all in putting expectations on next year. Look. Rightfully so. I, I, I don't blame them. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I do go back and forth. Now, look, roster could look really different, mm-hmm. even in the span of a week. It will. I, I don't think uh, it, it will. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, 2023 schedule, Minnesota, Colorado to open the year, Northern Illinois, then La Tech, Louisiana Tech. Michigan at home is the Michigan. conference opener, which whew, that looks more daunting by the day. But Illinois, Northwestern, Purdue, Michigan State, Maryland, all five of those games, very favorable. Iowa, Wisconsin to close the year. We don't really know what Wisconsin's going to look like, almost period. Like, you don't know if they're going to be that run-dependent. Run um, I'm guessing that it will be. But, you know, is terrible quarterback play a guarantee for Wisconsin? No. I mean, Cade McNamara is going to go into the transfer portal here. Uh, already has mm-hmm. for Michigan, went in today. You know, a lot of people were saying keep an eye out for Iowa. Mm. You know, to me, the names that are jumping out are Nebraska – pursuing him if Casey Thompson elects to leave. Wisconsin, pursuing him. I, I, I think those both those programs would be in on him faster than Iowa, especially a team like the Hawkeyes that are not very into the transfer portal at all. So I, I think I think putting – I do think putting bowl expectations on the year next year is fair. I agree. I do. Because – and we talked about this earlier in the season. Nebraska has in front of it – a realistic, I would say, a favorable schedule for year one for Matt Rule in a way that there's no guarantee he's going to get when the conference realigns in 2024. He's got a golden opportunity to start off with a bang, something that he didn't do at either Temple or Baylor. I think it's hard to fully say here, but I, I think Nebraska's roster is certainly not as bare as Baylor's or Temple's was. And if you look at Nebraska's schedule, this team should have been bowl eligible. Oh, yeah. At the beginning of the year, we both said 7-5, and five, if I remember correctly. Yes. And I think by far 7-5 and five is really attainable because they should have beat Northwestern. Northwestern didn't win a game for the rest of the year. They should have beat Georgia Southern. So there's two wins right there. And they should have beat Wisconsin. So that gets you to 7-5 and five and bowl eligibility. This roster is not as bad as we think it is, and there has been some major issues now. How many of those wins belong to Trey Palmer, right? Like, there's a lot of production there that's tied to that. But you get uh, Nori Nwili back next year. Uh, you will get Teddy Brahashka back next year. So that'll help things out on the offensive line. Look, I, I do think bowl eligibility is fair. I really do. Because, and, and again, it's way too early, obviously. And so, yes, I'm going to couch pretty much everything I say here. But I would tell you, Nebraska, other than Michigan, should have a chance to win every one of these games on the schedule next year. Should. It doesn't mean they will, because they lost games they shouldn't this year multiple times. But, look, like it's a golden opportunity. It is a golden opportunity. It's sitting in front of Matt Rule right now with that schedule. And then who knows what happens after that, because if you can make a splash next year, right, then even with the challenges that I think will undoubtedly come with the death of the East and West divisions, Nebraska is going to find itself in a position where if they can have an incredibly successful 2023, they'll have more traction in 2024. Well, I know Fox is drooling at the mouth right now with the amount of storylines that they're going to get with Minnesota-Nebraska to open up the college football season on Thursday. New head coach, 
for the Huskers. New quarterback for Minnesota in Cali McManus, who's played pretty well this year in relief of Tanner Morgan. Obviously, injuries there. So that's going to be storyline after storyline after storyline. And, and same thing with Wisconsin, too, because they just hired Matt or Matt Fickle. <laughs> Luke Fickle. My apologies. Right. And that's that, an interesting discussion point, too. That was that was a, a big one because yesterday I was driving back to school from Chicago because, you know, this is a – Keep in mind, this is our first day back from Thanksgiving break, and mm-hmm. it's, been, it's been, been go. There. It's been go. And I open Twitter, and literally the first thing I see when I get back to Lincoln, Luke Fickle's the new head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers. Wh- right. Where did that come from, right? So that and, – and the the rule episode woke me up on Saturday morning, which, you know, I, I'm not going to complain because it was a good hire. Um, but – Introductory press conference, big success. I agree with you. I think bowl eligibility is definitely fair for next year. Um, I think it can be done because Rule, he's not starting as low here as he was with Temple and Baylor, and that's not to downgrade Temple or Baylor or anything. That's just how it is. And Nebraska, you know, you mentioned had a good enough team to go to a bowl game this year, which is extremely frustrating considering the when you look back now with a 4-8 and record, Georgia Southern and Northwestern, and you can make the case that the Northwestern loss is worse than the Georgia Southern loss. And I, I would agree. I, I think that's true. I would agree. But this team definitely is the talent. You bring up how many wins belong to Trey Palmer. Okay, that's fair. But if Mickey stays, who does he bring in, right? So I think that could be something to look out for. Um, and there's just a lot to look forward to, I think, ahead. And you, you've already seen it on Twitter. If, you, if you're paying any attention – commits to you know Colorado and other places are already getting offers mm-hmm. from from Nebraska so mm-hmm. he really got to work last night Matt Rule did and he he said in the press conference he's going to get to work tonight um may have a, a late first night on the job as Grant mentioned earlier this is a crucial week for Matt Rule um and it'll be interesting to see how many players who are currently on the roster that he gets to buy into a system and who ends up sticking around who ends up leaving um, if you want my personal interest, I hope that Casey Thompson does stick around. I'm just thinking of more important positions. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of change in the offseason. There's going to be a lot of change for the better, for the worse. You be the judge. But I think that Trev Alberts and company, as of right now, nailed it. And I, I'm very pleased about where things are right now. Yeah, I, I agree. And... Like the true the truism here is that it's not very difficult, it's not hard at all, to win a press conference in this situation. It's not hard at all to have a good day in front of the people in well, this situation. We're just so used to that not happening. I mean, I I, w- I mean Scott Frost's opening press conference was it was five years ago. I'm saying it was five years ago, but I'm telling you, like it was it was I don't know how similar it was to this. But, you know, obviously it was nothing like everything that came after it. Well, right. So the hard part, you know, now is, you know, Stephen Sipple says in his column on com right now, right? The hard part now is literally everything else that comes after this. Like, this is the easiest part of the job. <laughs> and that's okay. You know, that's that's natural. But, you know, I think that is the part where, like, even though I'm saying, like, look, I think a bowl game in 2023 is a reasonable expectation. Six and six in 2023 is a reasonable expectation considering where the team finished last year, considering the ability to flip the transfer portal, considering the fact that you have a very competent head coach now, theoretically. But you do need to temper expectations in some ways too because of the way that previous sure things have turned out to not be so sure. Well, if it was easy, everybody would do it. That's true. And that's why he is the man for the job. And while we're on the topic of, you know, new staff, can we talk about the new strength coach? Big and that, guy. And that picture? What's Big his guy. name? I don't even know his name. Uh, I it, don't either. Is it Evan Cooper? Because that's what I'm... Sounds... 
close. I think that's who it is because that dude, the, the picture, if you haven't seen it already on Twitter, which I'm sure you have, but if you haven't, for whatever reason, this dude's a monster. A monster. So if he if he gets his players looking anything like he does or like him, okay, I'm here for it. I, I like that. So again, a lot of a lot of good that came out of today. I think it I think today was an exciting day as well. Um, you know, just really refreshing in a sense. Just new faces, uh a, a new outlook. And just new stories, really, to, yep. to be told here. And that, you know, makes me excited, not only as a fan, but as a media member. And I'm sure you feel the same way, Grant. And it's just, let, let's turn the page and let's get to where, you know, this program belongs. And that is, you know, of national relevancy. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a high bar, but that's true. That's where it belongs. And it hasn't been there for quite some time. I really I mean, hope Matt's I don't even know if it's national relevancy. I mean, it's just relevancy, period. And it's true, Nebraska realistically is relevant in that. But not in a good way. In that it leads the, the headlines when something big like this happens, but not in the, the realm of winning. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I think, again, just relevancy, period, is the baseline. Can you get back to that in some way? And I like I know there's a lot of people out there who are expecting a three win a one win season next year. I think that's possible, but I can say that I, I really do feel like Nebraska's roster is in a better place than either Temple or Baylor was when Rule took over, and there are more tools at your disposal now, more organizational things you can do with the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness to flip teams around faster that exist right now that didn't back then. And so I, I think that would be your one another reason to say, all right, look, it's it's possible that things go poorly in year one, but look, I, I think it's also equally possible that things end up turning out much better uh, than people expect, and certainly much better than year one with the owls and bears. I agree, and it, it's going to be you know we could be talking about this come next August and the thought of 10 wins is going to be floating around again because that just seems to happen every single year but bowl eligibility is definitely a fair expectation Uh, honestly one win could be your fair expectation I'm not going to you know bash you for it because you 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 don't know you you don't know Mm -hmm. and it's it's really hard to tell so um, we'll get the segment with Bill Dolman jumping in here in the edited portion of this so you will hear Bill Dolman um, we have about 12 minutes with him and his thoughts on today's press conference. Connor Clark with Bill Dolman on Husker Sports Weekly, the Twitter page. We're doing this live. We're also recording this. Matt Rule introductory press conference just got over with uh, a couple moments ago, and it was a long one. Um, Trevor, you know, he said he didn't want the head coach to win said press conference. It sounds like he won said press conference, but that's not all he wants Matt Rule to do winning-wise here at the University of Nebraska. Bill, your initial takeaways from what Rule had to say today and what his plans are for this program. Well, he won the press conference. Let's just say that. I, uh, and uh, he is uh, hes very impressive he, in front of an audience. He's comfortable there. You can tell that. He's the son of a preacher, and you could almost uh, get the sense that we were in the, in the congregation uh, watching him uh, address uh, the people who were gathered at the Hawks Championship Center, as well as addressing, um, you know, Husker fans and, and Nebraskans, not just Husker fans, but you got the sense that he was connecting with the people of Nebraska, that he understands the culture, and that this is a job that, uh, that he wanted, not just that he wanted a job, but he wanted this job. He did his due diligence. I don't think that surprised anybody. And it took me back to the, you know, the, the Callahan hire 20 years ago. Bill Callahan had just gotten fired by the, uh, by the Raiders. And about 48 hours later, he's the head coach at Nebraska. How much due diligence can you do in that amount of time? It's very clear that Matt Rule is a prepared guy. He's a purposeful guy. Um, and that, that his family thought that this was the best move. Um, there, are, there were just so many things to like about what Matt Rule had to say, 
but also a lot to like about Matt Rule, the football coach, and Matt Rule, the man. I thought it was just a very, very impressive um, introduction, and clearly Trev Alberts did his work, and those two guys can work well together. Well, Trev Alberts did say he was option 1A in this search. 13 coaches he revealed that um, were talked to for this position, so they definitely went around, and they, they talked to a lot of names. Obviously, they didn't release said names that they were talking to, but the search was definitely well-rounded. It was well thought out, and I think it was you know well done with the result that Nebraska has now with, with Matt Rule at the helm, and I agree. I thought what he said was impressive. I really liked, you know, you could hear passion in his voice when he was talking about whether that was the kids on the team, his family, embracing the culture and embracing their family in in Lincoln, which I thought was really cool too because he said something like, you know, you're going to see us downtown in the Haymarket. You're going to see us, you know, implementing ourselves into the Lincoln, you know, scene. And I thought that was really, really impressive and obviously really good quality to have in a head coach. Yeah, he seems as though um, that he is he has the 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 integrity, the character, the the work ethic that Nebraskans are defined by and have been for decades and from when the state was founded in 1869. You give an honest effort and you're respectful, people will embrace you. And I, I think he understands that. You know, one of the things that I, I thought was critical when Trev began this search is that Trev Alberts was going to look for somebody that he could have conversations with about football, faith, and family, and the fit. And I think you found that. You know, Trev's a, a, a couple of years older than Matt Rule, but not much. They're generationally similar. They're football men. They're men of faith. They love their families, and, and I just got the sense that, that Matt Rule understood that, that he was going to have a great boss that he could work with, and Trev Alberts has a football coach that he can work with. And, you know, over the time that uh, whenever they first started talking, um, it's pretty clear that that relationship was critical. And then he talked, you know, Matt Rule talked about, you know, uh, Ted Carter, the president of the university system, Ronnie Green, the respect that he has for them. You have to have great leadership working with the leader of your football program. They all have to respect each other. They all have to get along. And I think if you look back over the past 20-plus years with Nebraska athletics, you know, Bo Pelini and Tom Osborne were football guys, probably very different in terms of personality. But, you know, Pelini respected Tom Osborne for his character and for his successes. And there was probably a relationship there that resulted in wins. Didn't end well because Sean Eichhorst came in and was scared of Bo Pelini. I have zero idea that there was any kind of relationship between Bill Callahan and Steve Peterson at all. Um, you know, with Bill Moose and Scott Frost, you know, Bill Moose wasn't around all that often. And, and you know, that was, that was a disastrous tenure. But Bob Devaney let Tom Osborne do his job. They both understood the game of football. They knew each other. They respected each other. And I think that that's what Nebraska will have with Matt Rule and Trev Alberts. And that will result in successes throughout the entire athletic department. You know, leadership at the top that is respectful of hard work and character will, will carry this entire university a long way. I think it's a very significant hire and relationship. Well, Rule did say that leadership isn't just one person. It's, it's an entire group of people. And I think he recognizes that Trev Alberts is good in that position to lead men and to lead young men too. Uh, Matt Rule obviously has done it before. He's in a good position there as well. And I really liked what he said when he was talking about when he got let go from the Panthers and he took his own advice. He's been telling all these kids in college and these NFL players, we'll just take it one day at a time. What's the next thing? And he just had to pause for a second and say, hey, what? I've been telling a bunch of players to do this for all these years. I'm going to do it myself. And here we are. And again, he said, and I thought this was funny, he could be making the same amount of money playing golf today that as, as he is doing this press conference today, being the next head coach of Nebraska football, which I think says a lot about his ambition to develop players and his just love for the game of football as well. And that his conversations with Trev Alberts uh, reignited his passion for the game of football, which was something that his wife, Julie, 
uh, as he said in the in the introduction, his wife Julie was noticed about him that she was the one who was really identifying in her husband that this was the best fit for him and for his family. And 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 I've said this before, you know, Matt Rule is taking the Nebraska job because this is a job that he feels that he wants and will be best for him in his football career. But I've also said Nebraska might be what's best for Matt Rule and his family. That, you know, we can get a lot out of Matt Rule and his ability to coach and develop players and, and create a winning program. Great. But he talks a lot about his purpose in life being a husband and a father and, and doing what's best for his family as being the most important job. And so she, Julie Rule, may be identifying that, Matt, what's best for us as a family is to be a part of what they have in the Nebraska culture. You know, how long that'll be, I, I, who knows? You know, will he be here all eight years and beyond? Maybe. Uh, will he be here in case something better comes along? I, I kind of doubt it. But this might be a fit that's best for both sides, not just Nebraska bringing in a good football coach, the rules moving into a, a great culture. And I, I think that that, that's, that kind of comes through with how much he relied on her advice and her rec recognizing that there are a lot of positive things coming out of his discussions when he talked to Trev and came to the community. And uh, it, it, it might be a, a very, very good fit. Well, yeah, you said it. It's a, a family decision, and I think uh, one that everybody in his family is happy about and they want to be here, which is obviously step one of many. Uh, but, again, a really just impressive press conference. The scene outside was equally as impressive when he arrived for said press conference. You knew it was, was going to be cool. a show. Oh, yeah. It was a show. <laughs> it was definitely a show. A couple hundred people outside of Memorial Stadium to welcome Rule and his family he said a few words, same with Trev Alberts. He threw out signed footballs, and I was there for it. He took the first one, and he wasn't he wasn't playing any games. He, he <laughs> threw it far. Like, he was not he was not just, you know, lobbing it to the people in the front. So, after this, I'm excited about Matt Rule. Not that I wasn't before, but just a, a fresh face, a fresh voice, and what almost kind of seems like a fresh ambition and – you know, that want to get better, to take that next step as a program. And he feels very confident that he can do that. And he also feels very confident that he can do it at the highest level, a.k.a. the college football playoff level. And that's important that he, that, you know, he's not just coming in here to, to say we're going to develop men and we're going to have uh, good citizens and good students and we're going to do the best we can. No, we are going to be the best. Uh, will that result in national championships? Who knows? Conference championships? Who knows? But Nebraskans understand when you are giving a good, honest effort and being competitive. We don't like to lose, but we do love a competitor. And I, I, think, that, uh, I think that Matt Rule has a plan in place that is going to result in quicker successes than what he had in, try, in trying to just build Temple's program, right? Not rebuild it. What did they have in the past? Um, before that, you know, they had a couple decent seasons. Baylor was in ruins when he took over, mm -hmm. won one game his first year. You know, there's a lot in place with players who were in the program, the, the building that's going on, the facilities, the fan base, all that. A lot, of, a lot of things are in place for him to have some success fairly quickly. Do you want to put the pressure on and say you got to get to a bowl game that first year? I think that that's a realistic expectation. Six wins next year. Get to a bowl game. But, uh, you know, going 1-11, and 11, probably not going to be great. But he, he certainly said all the right things. He said the things that resonate with Nebraskans. But, again, you've got leadership. You do have talent in that room that just is probably waiting and wanting somebody to come in and give them purpose. And they've got time to instill that purpose, and that could result in some pretty productive things what, 10 months from now, nine months from now? We said he wants to win tomorrow, which We're unfortunately there's no game tomorrow, but, you know, he can win in other ways, right? Well, he so won today. He did, he sure. did he win did today. Win he's 1-0 as the Nebraska head football coach, the 31st Nebraska head football coach in program history. Bill, I know you've been on the radio a lot today, so thank you for, <laughs> for sparing a couple minutes of your time. I always you love talking Husker football with you. So I appreciate that, and uh, we'll be – 
releasing a full episode, Grant and I, uh, covering this entire uh, introductory press conference. So thanks so much for tuning in. Bill, thank you once again. And exciting times. A new era is upon us, the Matt Rule era here in Lincoln. With Matt Rule, there are other Husker sports currently in session as well. And the big one, really the story of last night, volleyball gets a two seed in the NCAA tournament yeah. after losing back-to-back games to end the regular season and getting swept at home against Minnesota. And that's, I believe, Minnesota's first sweep in the Bob in 40 – or not in the Bob, but against Nebraska mm. in 40 years in Lincoln. Yeah, that's interesting. Which is – I was very surprised. Right, and so Allie Batenhorst now, with the injury to Kenzie Knuckles, is forced into being a six-rotation player, mm-hmm. which you need those. Uh, professionally, I believe, I'm pretty sure almost all professional, I could be wrong on this, but almost almost all professional teams play six rotations. So the problem there is not only Batenhorst in the back row, but then Batenhorst serving, which he's not used to doing. So that's the real big factor for Nebraska between now and and Thursday to try to piece together how do you fix this issue, the issues in the back row now. Can Batenhorst get to the point where she's serviceable back there, good back there, but she's not going to get up to knuckles level, and can you get her to the point where she's serving well? So, you know, those are the big – that's the biggest thing, the biggest challenge facing Nebraska as they prepare for the start of the postseason as far as the draw I mean obviously it's the favor it's a favorable draw no Wisconsin no Wisconsin no Texas although Nebraska was able to get out of Texas's region a year ago Louisville also pretty good uh so you know it's not going to be easy for Nebraska obviously it wasn't going to be easy no matter who they were uh paired up against San Diego, the only surprise. I'm not shocked. San Diego got a lot of love in the AVCA poll. Not shocked they were relegated to the two line here for the postseason. So, anyway, it's a big it's a big set really this weekend against Delaware State on Thursday, and then either Miami or Kansas to try to figure out how you survive, how you live without Kenzie Knuckles there in the back row. Yeah, it's a big injury, and for somebody who's meant so much to the program like Kenzie has, um, I, mean, I saw the pictures to an emotional senior night with her mm-hmm. and, and yep. Nicklin Hames and a couple of other mad – or who else was in it? Remind me. Uh, like seniors? Name. Yes. Oh, Maddie Kubik. Maddie Kubik, that's and right. And then Caitlin Horde. Right. So, you know, those players mean a lot to, to this program, which is, you know, it's nice to see them receive the amount of – support not only from the fans but the teammates as well I mean you had some players in tears as they were going through the right the senior night festivities so that just proves to you how tight-knit of a group that this is and and what kind of team John Cook runs obviously no surprise but it's it's nice to see that so Nebraska will take on Delaware State um, in Lincoln on Thursday at eight o'clock at the Bob, um, Delaware State, 24-6 and six on the year. On the other side, they will play the winner, if they do win, uh, they will play the winner of Kansas and the U. Kansas is 18-10, and 10, Miami 19-10. and 10. And then the other two games in their little portion of the bracket is Arkansas and Utah State. Arkansas 20-8, and 8, Utah State 22-10. and 10. Um, And then LMU in California, um, 18 and 9 on the year and they play the 3 seed Oregon who was 23 and 5 the 1 seed as Grant mentioned earlier Louisville 26 and 2 they play Samford not Stanford Samford Samford 19 and 12 Tennessee takes on Purdue who is the 8 seed at 20 and 10 Tennessee is 17 and 13 Rice is the 5 seed at 26 and 3 they will take on Colorado who is 20 and 10 so Nebraska hosting once again. They will take on Delaware State 8 o'clock Thursday at the Bob, and then they will take on the winner of Kansas and the U um, that Friday or Saturday um, if if they do beat Delaware State. I think you could probably say pretty confidently that they will beat Delaware State, but I I'll sure bite my so. tongue. So I don't, I'm not a I volleyball sure expert. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not guaranteeing it, but I, I, like, I like the Huskers' chances – in that matchup. So there's your volleyball scoop. 
postseason starting up this week. Men's and women's basketball were both out of town for Thanksgiving, yeah, uh, which was pretty cool. And Nebraska women's basketball, they got off to a little bit of a shakier start than they would probably have hoped to as I'm getting their schedule up right now. But they had the dominant wins to start the year over Omaha, and then they beat Houston Christian pretty well. Then they got, you know, kind of crushed on the road against Creighton. Um, They got crushed on the road at Drake. Uh, They beat Tarleton State, which was a close game for a while. Yep. 71-53. Too close for comfort. Exactly. Um, Then they go to Puerto Rico, and they take on Texas A&M Corpus Christi, beat them 73-44. They beat Mississippi State in overtime 73 to 65 and then they come back to the united states and they get no night off as they are at the number 11 team in the land the virginia tech Hokies. so five and two start no longer ranked and not only do you have virginia tech looming you also have on sunday december 4th number 14 maryland looming both of those games on the road and then you come back for what is a five-game homestand, starting with Wisconsin on Wednesday, December 7th. Wisconsin definitely more manageable, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it's it's challenging. And, and they're in a bad stretch, really, I think. Because, yeah, you lose Creighton, and you lose it badly. And kind of... I mean, it was over I mean, before it started. Like, Whoa, what's the, like, what is the Sam Hybe missing discrepancy? Like, how bad is not having Sam Hybe, right? Mm-hmm. Then, you know, next up comes uh, Tarleton, right? Or no, Drake. They lose to Drake. Tough loss there on the road. Tarleton, again, just not a really clean game. I w- really wouldn't say either of their games over the last weekend were super uh, outstanding either. So you, you're you in this stretch where you were playing really dominant basketball in November a year ago, and you're struggling to piece it together here. It'll be interesting to see how they sort of, as they you know, begin to work Sam Hypey back in, how they sort of figure out all of some of these issues that they're currently dealing with. And, you know, I, I think I think there's a lot to be hopeful for. There's probably plenty to be hopeful for. But it is kind of a weird point in the season where they need to, you know, they need these next two games because that could really help confidence, I think, in a lot of ways. If you could salvage together a split in the next two games, I think that would be a huge win. Huge win. Because Maryland, obviously, a conference opponent. Uh, You go into the ACC and you play Virginia Tech, who is top 15. And if you could snag one of those, that would be a huge momentum booster heading into – early conference play and the rest of non-conference play. And those five home games in a row are going to be big. You play Wisconsin, Samford, Wyoming, another Samford reference. They're getting a lot of love here. I believe the men play Samford as well pretty soon as well. Uh, I think that sounds right. So, um, And then Kansas and Michigan. So those are going to be five big games that seem winnable. And I think you could probably snag four or five or all five of those games. Um, but then you go on the road to Indiana, who was good a year ago. You had a, a good showing against them at Rutgers and back home against Penn State, Ohio State. You know the deal. It's conference play. Um, and then obviously those matchups with Iowa are looming as well with Caitlin Clark. And I know she was injured for a second there. I don't know the severity of said injury. I think she's fine now. But it would be big if they could they could split the next two at at the minimum. And that would set them up quite nicely for those five home games. If you go 0-2, again, you still have your, your conference opportunity. And again, you still have those five home games. But that makes things a little bit more of a steeper climb when it comes to, you know, just the quality of resume that you possess come March. Because it's it's all about those wins that you get. We talk all about quad one wins in yep. basketball. Here's your opportunity. You get two of them in a row. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Big week. Big week for Amy Williams and co. And a big week for Fred Hoiberg and co. And I think I'm going to replace big with scary because yeah. it is it is scary. Boston College is pretty bad, though. 
Well, yeah, but that it's it's the after that's giving me nightmares. That's so true. the men's team they went to Florida. They played in uh, the ESPN Events Invitational at Disney in Orlando. Lose to Oklahoma by thirteen sixty nine to fifty six on Thanksgiving. Um, then they play Memphis on Black Friday. Lose seventy three to sixty one. One last night against Florida State, which. I hate to say because Florida State's usually a pretty damn good basketball team. A really bad Florida State team this mm-hmm. year, seventy-five to fifty-eight. Come home uh, on Wednesday. They play Boston College at eight fifteen in the Big Ten ACC Challenge, and then just brace yourself. Number seven Creighton on the road, no good. Number ten Indiana on the road, and now newly ranked number five Purdue at <laughs> the vault Jeez, so they jump they drum from 24 to 5 a 19 spot jump for Zach Eady and the boilers after an impressive Phil Knight Invitational tournament to say the least they are fifth in the country so you get the cream of the crop in the big 10 to start off your conference schedule oh and you get a nice little treat in a non-conference game with your rivals 45 minutes down the road who looked pretty good in Maui yeah yeah pretty good <laughs> pretty good <laughs> yeah it's a it's a daunting stretch which is why this boston college game is so important and also i i mean i don't really know does florida state play louisville at some point this year they have to in basketball They're because in the, same conference. Ooh, the so battle bad. for the basement oh so bad that like those are two of the worst basketball teams i think i've ever seen and we were literally rolling on the floor well not literally rolling on the floor so I guess I should use that word a little bit leniently. We were laughing very hard at multiple different moments uh, during that game. By the way, the Louisville game is on December the 10th. So there you go. That's just going to be an ugly, ugly basketball game. I think the worst Terrible. three teams in the country right now are Florida State. And this is in no particular order. Florida State, Louisville, and Georgetown, I think, is in there. Georgetown mm-hmm. is not good. And honestly, I think Boston College is in that conversation. Yeah, Boston as well. College is definitely in that conversation. Boston College is five and two. They've yet to play a group of five team or power six team, and they're five and two. <laughs> Just let that sink in. And one of their losses is to Maine. By the way, we have to wait till eight PM on Wednesday to watch that. Eight fifteen. Eight fifteen PM. If you want to stay up that late and listen to KR and you Connor I Clark would, on the call. I would greatly appreciate that. It's gonna be a long night at the vault and Hopefully one for the Big Red, you know, the good guys. String two, I, I guess you could call them power wins in a row. I I would take that with a grain of salt. Just because they're in the ACC doesn't mean that they're, you know, world beaters. But that you're right. The Boston College game is very, very important because those three games after, and then yep. you play Kansas State and Kansas City. So, Which won't be easy, but no, it will be easier than the first three. It will be. Or the last, previous three. So... We talked about this before the season even started. That Creighton game could get out of hand instantly, early. Yes, or like under sixteen early in the first half. So that's going to be one to look out for. That's on a Sunday at three thirty um, at the CHI Health Center in Omaha Assembly Hall in Bloomington. Seven thirty on December seventh, which is a Wednesday, and then Saturday at the Vault one fifteen. Purdue comes to town. I really want to go to that game just because of how big Zach Eady is, and I just want to see that in person because he's so damn tall. He's like seven foot five. Um, Kansas State will not be easy. It'll be easier, as you said, but not be easy. Then you get Queens at home in the Battle of the Vault tournament, which features Omaha, Wesleyan, Concordia, Mississippi State, and Drake. Mm. It's, and it's Nebraska plays who in that, by the way? Queens. That? Queens, okay. Queens from North Carolina. Um, and then you you know start Big Ten play for the rest of the season. So Fred Hoiberg and the boys, they got to get it done. And they got to get it done now yes. because it's not going to be easy. And, you know, I'll give credit to Freddie because they you know, scheduled a pretty decent non-con schedule, which I like because it really shows you what kind of team that they are. And it, the St. John's game got out of hand in the second half, but they were – they were in both of the Oklahoma and Memphis games. They just couldn't get it under, like, eight. They just couldn't get past that threshold, and that's what really held them back. If they get it under eight in both of those games, maybe they got a shot down the stretch, or maybe it just looks better on paper. But 
at least they're not losing by, you know, 20, 25 to, to respectable name brand teams, which they have in the past three years now. So Boston College is big on Wednesday. They need that win. And to be quite honest with you, they need it in convincing fashion in order to give you some glimpse of hope heading into the next four to five games. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big stretch. And we'll see what they can do. I mean, they did not look vastly improved last night. I will say that. No, they didn't. Derek Walker did. Derek Walker looked really nice. Derek Walker looked fantastic. We were joking. He's the point god now. Derek Walker bringing the ball up. He's hitting people with the Euro steps, hitting reverse layups all over the place. Yep. Who is this guy? Yep. And, you know, honestly, Kese is playing with a lot of confidence now as well, whether you like it or not. Sometimes I don't like it. Sometimes I do. But he's playing with a lot of confidence. I just need Greasel to be more aggressive. And I know he had a good game last night. He had 13 points. But he's got to take more shots, I think, because he gets inside and he's so hesitant to shoot the ball and he just either chucks it into the corner for you know a contested three or they have to reset the offense and half the shot clock is gone. I, I need him to take more shots. And I I think he's a good player. I really do. But I think his, uh, his ceiling is higher than what we've been subjected to. But before we wrap this thing up, Grant, any closing thoughts on a, a wild Monday in Lincoln? Yeah, I, I would just say it's a, it's a big day uh, for Nebraska football. It's a new day for Nebraska football. What the rest of the days ahead hold, no one knows. And as much as there is reason to be excited today, there's also reason for caution. There is a reason for caution. There's a reason for optimism. There's reason to believe anything you want because it is very true. The unknown. It is the wild card. It is you know you're you're putting all your chips in the middle. What's going to happen? So it's going to be an interesting off season. Lots of changes coming, uh, but hopefully for you as Husker fans, a very exciting and optimistic off season as we head into the 2022-2023 football offseason. So that'll do it for us on episode number 106 of Husker Sports Weekly. Matt Rule is your new head coach for Nebraska football, the 31st head coach in Nebraska football program history. We also talked volleyball, men's, and women's basketball. And we heard from Bill Dolman on the show earlier today about Matt Rule and his introductory press conference. So we appreciate you so much for tuning in, whether that's on the live on Twitter or if you're listening to this on Spotify or re-watching the live on Twitter, thank you very much. We really appreciate your support. Once again, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and Hanson not Hanson. You can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks to find our show. We will talk to you soon as we get into the heart of basketball season. But until then, go Big Red.